Our second lesson tonight, the gospel lesson from today's lectionary, I'm going to take this off because it's sliding around and I think it'll hit the microphone. Sorry. Um, this doesn't match without that, but can y'all remember that that made these colors go together? Thank you. <laughs> that was the link. Now, turning to Mark's gospel. <laughs> this is a great story, and I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But I invite you to listen again to the word of the Lord from Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. They came to Jericho. As he, Jesus, and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We had a guest preacher here at this service a few weeks ago named Drew Stockstill. He's the campus minister over at Emory. And he preached from Mark because, as Alan said, we're using the lectionary. And the lectionary is taking us through Mark's gospel. And Drew talked about Mark being a text of journey, a text that includes Jesus' ministry and teachings and a literal journey, Jesus and the disciples making their way eventually to Jerusalem. Here in today's text, we find Jesus and his disciples outside the gates of Jericho, almost to, drawing close to Jerusalem. We also come to Jesus' last healing act in the gospel. I have to say, it seems like a little bit of a break. (laughs) In some of our worship services this fall, and other texts from Mark, we've heard lessons from Jesus that were hard to hear. And frankly, lessons that even the disciples could not understand. If you heard me preach a few weeks ago, I quoted a New Testament scholar who calls the disciples the knuckleheads in the Gospel of Mark. Because Jesus keeps telling them things and they can't get it. So to come to a story that seems pretty straightforward is a little bit of a relief. And I have to say, I was a little bit relieved to see that this was the text I might get to preach. In fact, the story of the healing of blind Bartimaeus, as this beggar is usually called, seems to capture many of the themes of Jesus's ministry all in one story. It's almost like we're getting the whole gospel right here in this vignette. For example, unlike the disciples who've been with Jesus all along but still don't seem to understand a lot of what he's teaching them, this story is about a blind man who sees clearly who Jesus is and rejoices at being close to him. And then, like others Jesus has healed, Bartimaeus is not an important person. He's a beggar. 
But Mark does not just call him blind beggar. He identifies him by name. His name is Bartimaeus. He's the son of Tobias. He has an identity. He's a particular person. And of course, as we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus welcomes this poor, vulnerable person, calls for the beggar to come to him, hears his request, and heals him. Bartimaeus is surrounded by a crowd of people who are presumably more important than he, more mainstream, less pitiful, less poor. And when he calls out to Jesus, all of those people try to quiet him. In fact, the text tells us that many sternly ordered him to be quiet, presuming, I think, that they had power over him. He's just a beggar. We'll tell him to hush. But Bartimaeus is not afraid. He calls out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus breaks through the bonds of decorum in a bold act of faith. And really, in order to do that, this most vulnerable character in this vignette has to make himself even more vulnerable. You see, the text tells us that when Jesus heard and called for him, Bartimaeus threw off his cloak and sprang up. This may just sound like a dramatic flourish to us. You can see that being enacted. It's kind of fun to do that, actually. But a blind beggar's cloak was his well-being. It was his shelter, his cover from the elements, his cushion from the hard ground. It was his means for gathering up money that people would have given him. He would have spread that cloak in front of him. He needed that cloak. So to throw it off and run to Jesus meant that Bartimaeus was making himself even more vulnerable, or to say it differently, putting his fate fully in the hands of Jesus to whom he was running. And then Jesus asks Bartimaeus very plainly, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answers him just as plainly, my teacher, let me see again. Bartimaeus is healed. Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. And in gratitude and celebration, sight restored, Bartimaeus follows Jesus on the way. It's a great story, isn't it? It's everything we think about in the gospel. An alienated person in need, hushed by the powerful, but welcomed by Jesus, who trusts Jesus enough to call out and go to him and follow him. It's enough to whip us into a little bit of a frenzy, I think. I find myself rooting for Bartimaeus. Go, Bartimaeus. Go, ask for what you need. Jesus has the power to heal you. It's a wonderful moment when Jesus and Bartimaeus find each other, a person in need of healing and a healing Lord, both on the margins of culture and power in their time. It's fantastic. And I think we root for Bartimaeus, or at least I do, because we identify with him, or we want to. We want to believe that we, who are also people in need of healing, have faith enough to step away from what makes us safe and comfortable, to make a bold act, to ask for what we need. But do we? Are we like a blind beggar, poor and vulnerable? 
surrounded by a powerful crowd? Or are we maybe more like the crowd? Or Jesus' disciples who have been following him, trying to do right, committed to his ministry, but still proud, still seeking position, still not quite getting all the lessons we're supposed to get. The disciples in this crowd around Bartimaeus were concerned with decorum, maybe even concerned with protecting Jesus from people who would interrupt him or bother him or, heaven forbid, ask him for something. If we're like that crowd and those disciples, what are we to learn from this text? Senator Sam Nunn, do y'all know Sam Nunn? Was here on Wednesday giving a presentation at lunch about civility in public discourse, timely, a week before the election. And he mentioned in one, at one point in his remarks something that just struck me because it was such an interesting turn of phrase. He said when things are hard for him, he goes to read the instructions. And then he explained what he meant by that. He goes to read the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> he thinks of the Sermon on the Mount as the instructions and I think sometimes we think of the gospel as instructions too. So tonight, what are we, people in need of healing, to take from Mark's gospel? Well, I submit to you that there are at least three things. Many more, I'm sure, but from blind Bartimaeus, there are at least three things that we can learn tonight, take with us out into the world. First, we must remember our names. Sounds silly, I'm sure, but I say it that way so that we can remember it. This story is about a blind man who sat on the ground and asked people for money so that he could survive. But if you were to open the Bibles under your chairs, and I should have done it ahead of time to make sure this is true, but I didn't, they would not say above Mark 10:46 the story of the healing of a blind man or the story of a healing of a blind beggar. They would say, or at least my study Bible says, in the caption that is inserted by editors, it's not in the original text, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, who was a nobody in his society, was a child of God, a person with a name and a person known to Jesus. If we, in our deepest need, or even in our plain old days, can remember that we too our children of God, and that Jesus knows our names, how will our faith be changed? And when our faith is changed, what then will we do? The great preacher Fred Craddock tells a story about going to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, to take a little vacation with his wife. I think that seems funny that they went to Gatlinburg, but they did. Maybe they love the country music and the ride combo. One night, they found this little restaurant, and they were supposed to have a private, nice meal together, just the two of them. While they were waiting for their meal, they saw a distinguished-looking gentleman with white hair moving from table to table, greeting the people who were eating there. And Craddock said to his wife, oh, I hope he doesn't come over here. He didn't want to be interrupted. He was on a date with his wife in Gatlinburg. But the man came to his table, of course, and he said, where are you folks from? Well, Oklahoma, says Fred Craddock. And the man says, splendid state, I hear, although I've never been there. What do you do for a living? 
Fred Craddock. Mm -hmm. I teach homiletics at the Graduate Seminary of Phillips University. Oh, so you teach preachers, do you? Well, I've got a story I want to tell you. Of course. And with that, he pulls up a chair and Craddock groans to himself because everyone who hears that there's a preacher has a preacher story. So the man introduces himself and he says, I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here across the mountains. My mother wasn't married when I was born, so I always had a hard time. When I started to school, my classmates had a name for me and it was not a nice name. I used to go off by myself at recess and during lunchtime because the taunts of my playmates hurt me so deeply. What was worse was going downtown on Saturday afternoon and feeling every eye burning a hole through you. They were all wondering who my father was. When I was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to our church. I always went in late and slipped out early, but one day the preacher said the benediction so fast I got caught and I had to walk out the doors with the rest of the crowd. I could feel every eye in the church on me. Just about the time I got to the door, I felt a big hand on my shoulder. I looked up, and the preacher was looking right at me. It was like a big black cloud, he says. Even the preacher was putting me down. But as he looked down at me, studying my face, he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. Wait a minute. He said, I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. With that, he said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. The old man looked across the table at Fred Craddock and said, that was the single most important sentence anybody ever said to me. With that, he smiled and shook Fred Craddock's hand and moved on to the next table. And then Fred Craddock says, he sat there thinking, why does the name Ben Hooper ring a bell for me? And then he remembered, Ben Hooper was a former governor of the state of Tennessee. It may sound simple, but to take into our hearts that we're children of God, no matter what our worldly situation, gives us a great inheritance to claim indeed. Let's remember our names and go claim it. Second lesson from Blind Bartimaeus is that our faith will sometimes call us to do something. For the beggar, it meant calling out, even against the admonishment of a powerful crowd. It meant jumping up and leaving his cloak and approaching Jesus. For us, it could mean any number of things. Maybe calling for healing, or justice, or equality, or something else that the world calls unrealistic or idealistic. It might mean committing our time to service, even if it seems to be a drop in a bucket of bottomless need. It might mean breaking some social convention, even in a small way, if it means showing our faith. I recently read a story about a little girl who wasn't embarrassed to practice her faith in public, where so many adults, at least, prefer to keep it to themselves. She's the daughter of Celeste Sibley. Does anybody remember Celeste Sibley? She was a columnist for the, before it was the AJC, it was the Atlanta Constitution. 
and a real pioneer for women journalists in her time. And the story is that she took her three children to a diner for breakfast, and it was too crowded for them to get three seats together. So she found herself at the opposite end of the diner from her eight-year-old daughter, Mary. And when the food came, eight-year-old Mary yelled down the counter, Mother, don't people say grace in this place? And a hush fell over the whole diner. And before Mrs. Sibley could figure out what to say, the man behind the counter said, Yes, we do, sister. You say it. So all the people in the diner bowed their heads. And eight-year-old Mary Sibley said, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> Maybe we're being called to something even bigger. As Alan mentioned, it's Reformation Sunday, a day when we remember the Reformed tradition in which we stand. The Presbyterian Church is one of several Christian denominations that trace their roots back to the Protestant Reformation in 16th century Europe, which is also generally traced back to the actions and writings of Martin Luther, a familiar name probably. 1517, Martin Luther, who was a monk and a scholar, wrote something that became known as the 95 Theses, and the story goes that he nailed them to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. That may or may not be true, but it's the best version of the story. And Martin Luther said in those 95 Theses that some of the things the Roman Catholic Church were doing were not faithful things. In particular, he objected to the sale of indulgences. Y'all hearken back to your church history. Selling indulgences was essentially a way that the Roman Catholic Church collected money promising people to suspend their temporal punishments for their sins in the face of the incredibly powerful Roman Catholic Church, Martin Luther called out against the crowd, so to speak. He dared to declare his faith, including his belief that grace alone, and not our actions, and not our money, removes our sin from us. Luther didn't mean to start a new church, <laughs> or lots of new churches. He didn't mean for us to be here hundreds of years later celebrating Reformation Sunday, but he had reached a point at which his faith required him to speak against a crowd. Can we speak out against a crowd? Declare our faith in the face of something we perceive as wrong? Or at least pray in a diner? And third, the healing of blind Bartimaeus teaches us to ask. We learn from Mark's gospel that when Bartimaeus reached Jesus, Jesus asked him what he needed. And Bartimaeus answered, Lord, I want to see. Again, maybe this seems obvious to y'all. I guess, I hope it does. But this exchange between Bartimaeus and Jesus shows us the power of approaching our Lord in joy with faith enough to turn our needs over to him. In the words Emily just read from Psalm 34, we hear, I sought the Lord and he answered me. As we go from here, named as children of God, called to acts of faith, may we call out to our God and ask too. And if we do, friends, don't we believe that God will answer?
in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.